0: Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are in the whole wide world. Well, on the Faith FM network and you are joined by myself, Lawson, and my amazing, wonderful co-host, Monica. Monica, I can see that you have a denim shirt under that. Huge jacket. Everyone in this like is rugged up to the hilt. Not me. Yeah, so. no.
1: I I double I double layered my um my under jacket stuff because I'm wearing small shoes today. So yesterday I was wearing boots. so I only did one layer up top.
0: Not gonna lie though, I think I have that denim shirt.
1: I don't. You have one with pearl buttons. Yes. You have pearly button. I have denim a shirt. denim shirt with pearl <laughs> buttons on it. Cute.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, when I as soon as I looked up, you know, from my computer, as I heard the show coming in, I'm like, do I? Wear the same clothes as Monica.
1: Probably. <laughs> the question is, are you effeminate or am I masculine? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, well, hey, we'll let the listeners decide. It's me. Zero I'm the problem. One, <laughs>
1: I'm quite androgynous. Six, there, there you go. <laughs> 0491
0: you are listening to the breakfast show this morning, Monica. How are you?
1: I've had one of the best weeks ever. Really? Yeah. I uh, I know I'm super late to this, but I'm so in love with this. But I finally, after years of being a bit of a tin foil hat wearer, mm-hmm. decided to uh, use the voice activation prompts on my phone, and I just. Love it.
0: What do you mean? Using Siri? Yep. <laughs> oh, okay, sweet. So I, into
1: it. Well, it's like changed my life significantly. Like
0: hey Siri. Hey
1: Siri, everything. Oh, don't respond to that, hey Siri. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but I've been I'll be like in the shower, barking out orders. It's great. I love Siri, it. Siri. <laughs> hey <laughs>
0: I'm I'm an Android guy. So yeah. it's hey Google, but I never use it. You, I haven't, so I haven't taken that step yet.
1: I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. I, I, I was against like having my phone listening, but I figured, you know what, it's listening anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen enough evidence of that. But yeah, I'm testing the limits of Siri and I'm really enjoying it.
0: Mm-hmm. Today is the day. Oh! Where we talk about Malaysia.
1: Oh, I'm finally going to get to Malaysia.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I have wanted to talk about Malaysia in the news, but today I've, it's finally, you know, it's worked, my queue of news has worked itself through, and we're going to be talking about a story coming out of Malaysia, and probably talking about Poland too, hopefully.
2: You're listening to The Breakfast Joke Podcast on Faith
0: FM, positively different.
1: We're going to kick off this segment with the Breakfast Show Quiz. Ladies and gentlemen, it is your last, your final opportunity to get in for this week's your draw ultimate for grad prize. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Wait, today's Friday, right? Yeah. Man, I've been off on the days.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now today is definitely Friday. Last time. No, I woke up this morning being like... Man, where am I? <laughs> I? I I, just, I've been I've been feeling a bit like that lately, you know, yeah. you just like go to sleep and you wake up and you're like, what is going on? Uh-huh. Sometimes I'm, you know, I'm just, when you wake up and you're just like into it and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know what's up. But then sometimes you're like, where am I? Anyways, you're listening to The Breakfast Show. We're going to have our first quiz for today.
1: Yes. Which celestial bodies did Joshua command to stay still? That is our first one today. Give us a call, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Uh, give us a text. Not a call, actually. We can't take calls at the moment. Tell us that one, and uh, you can get into the draw to win 13 Weeks to Joy by Jennifer Jules Schwerzer. Uh, there are going to be four more quizzes this morning, but those will be your final opportunities to get in. We will do the prize draw at the end of this show around like 845-ish. Mm. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. 13 Weeks of Joy, um, How to Hold the Happiness God Gives by Jennifer Jo is the prize you're winning for. It's a
0: wonderful book. Absolutely. Monica,
1: yes. what is
0: happening in the world of positively <sighs> different news?
1: I know that, like, yesterday we were talking about North Korea. Uh huh. But let's go south a bit. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You and I are a little, a little bit of a what do, they, what do they call those people who are into Korean. Um, Culture,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Korea moose, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. not
1: one, I've looked it up. I'm no, not one, yeah. yeah but no, I'm no. on the way to being one. <laughs> I just
0: really like rice cakes,
1: and <laughs> I'm so I glad I really you brought
0: that up. like gochujang.
1: Yeah, I really like um, um, uh, the bokki, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, so that's so when delicious. you put those two things together yeah. when you put um, rice cakes,
1: yeah, and, and gochujang, gochujang
0: together, it makes the bokki, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and I'm so glad we're talking about food because literally today we're going to be talking about South Korean food. Okay. Oh. Actually, do you know what? I'm a, I'm a little test on you. All right. Can you explain to me the, the, what happens when you go to a Korean restaurant uh, and you I, order food? Are you talking about like Korean barbecue or bibimbap or. Any Korean restaurant? When you go to the restaurant and you order food, and this is something that happens, I'm pretty sure, nowhere else in the world. Uh Usually when you go to a restaurant and you order a dish, it gets served to you. Mm -hmm. And if you've ordered a drink, that'll get served to you. And if you've ordered like a side of fries, that'll get served to you. But in Korea, it's a little bit different.
0: I I have no idea what you're talking about. The
1: side dishes, dude. Korean side dishes. They're so uh-huh. famous for it. Uh-huh. Anytime you go to a Korean restaurant and you order a dish, you get like 10 side dishes. You, ah, get, you don't have okay. to ask for them. They're free. They just appear. They're always there. It's amazing.
0: What's in these side dishes? I, I, like, you don't I, know about this? So I don't go to Korean restaurants because oh. they're, they're usually like meat, right? So like
1: yeah, Korean barbecue
0: and, and that sort of thing. So I don't go, but... To explain to me what's going on. So
1: th- there's lots of different stuff that um, that'll come out. I mean, obviously there's rice, but there's also stuff like tofu, kimchi, uh-huh. bean sprouts, like just I mean, little- giving out
0: free tofu.
1: Yeah, literally. Like it won't. It's not going to be like a huge plate of it. It's like a little side bowl, like a little little tiny dish, mm-hmm. and there might be like I don't know four cubes of it on there, sitting in like soy sauce. Mm-hmm. But there's like nine other side dishes. You mm-hmm. could honestly. Eat just the side dishes and it's be like. Full. Can I get a
0: bowl of bean sprouts, please, <laughs> and then just eat the side because dishes? Because
1: the way they eat their food is, they'll have like their main dish, and then they'll they'll pick up, pick up a bite with their chopsticks, but then they add something from the ah, side dishes and sort of okay. like you know, okay, assemble it and then shove it in their mouth. Yeah. So like, the side dishes end up being like the toppings mm. of whatever it is they're having. But they, it, but it's just part of their culture. And I have – because I, I like to watch Korean television. It's, it's a, a lot more um, conservative than American television. Mm. And I'm always astounded by watching these scenes in restaurants mm. where they suddenly get all these side dishes and you can't possibly eat them all. And I always mm. think to myself – What's happening with the leftovers? Like, do they get put back in the bowl, like in the in the in the communal bowl with the rest of it to be served for the next customer? Because uh-huh. isn't that a bit icky? Like, <laughs> that's such that's such a lot of
0: food waste. Like, I love the experience, but at what cost? You right, know, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Turns out, I didn't know this, but South Korea actually created a program that reuses 90% of the country's food scraps. What? And, uh, yeah, and not only that, but it turns out it is a problem for them like because it, it does generate a lot more food waste than a normal country because they're serving a lot more dishes. But it's been illegal since 2005 for them to toss it in the bin in landfill. They Illegal. Actually, they literally if, legislated it. It's it. like
0: if you don't eat that last bite, then <laughs> you're done. Like you're getting arrested. Straight to jail. <laughs> A
1: succulent Korean meal. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, they, they, they don't. They don't. Um, they don't bust the customer. It sure. just means the restaurant is not allowed to put it in the landfill bin. They have okay. to put it in a special government um, programmed bin. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is really cool. And they have, because of this, perhaps the world's most sophisticated food disposal infrastructure. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a significant burden to the economy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the food waste disposal, nonetheless, produces ample supplies of animal feed, fertilizer, and biogas that heats thousands of homes. Literally, their leftovers. Are heating their houses. Their, their leftovers
0: turn into a, <laughs> yeah. a, a heat source or slash fuel supply. We have, slash we have
1: the heater on in here right now and I'm like, that could have been my yesterday's wheat bix leftovers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, of which could. there's always a lot. Okay. Yeah. Monica <laughs> and cereal, it's a sight to behold. Yeah. If we want to talk about food waste, <laughs> uh, we need to, if you need to come up with a, with a strategy to do this in your own life. Yeah. But that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's but awesome.
1: I mean, it's obviously not happening in Australia, but it is happening in Korea. If we were in Korea, that would be legit. So the government put the put the ban hammer on it because um, the reason is because their mountainous terrain isn't ideal for landfill construction. Mm. Uh, Korea is not a huge country at all in sure. terms of landmass. So instead, restaurateurs and, um, and street hawkers, because they have a lot of street food in Korea, like a, like a lot of Asian countries, they pay the municipality for a sticker that goes on the outside of special bins and once mm. filled with food scraps, they're left on the road for collectors in the morning who take uh, 90% of all such waste in the country to specialised collection facilities. And um, so at, at apartments and among residential housing areas, high-tech food waste disposal machines are operated by a car- key card owned by residents under con- contract with the disposal companies. So this isn't just something that's happening in restaurants. That's literally something they have to do at home because this culture of having these side dishes doesn't just happen in the restaurant. It also happens in the home. Sure. Yep. So they ha- you at know, dinner time, they have like a ton of side dishes. Mm. And once again... Tons of leftovers, so they also have this system at home. Uh, So once all these food scraps are taken to the recycling facilities, uh, the food is then sorted, Mm -hmm. uh, drained of its moisture, and then it gets dried and baked into this black, dirt-like material that has a dirt-like smell, but is actually a protein and fiber-rich feed for monogastric animals like chickens and ducks. Mm. So this is just one way that the um, the food scraps are processed. Another method uses giant aer- anaerobic digesters, digesters in which bacteria break down all the food while producing a mix of CO two mm. and methane, which is then used to heat the houses. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So that so there's a um a suburb in Seoul called Gonya. Apparently the entire suburb is being running packed, on
0: food waste.
1: Running on food waste. Yeah. 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 That's
0: so awesome. I I love that I'm hearing this because. And since I was a little kid, I thought of the idea of, like, recycling food. And I heard people say that before. And I used to think, like... Wait, so my sandwich is made up of other recycled sandwiches?
1: <laughs> or, like, my bowl of rice is made
0: up of other recycled bowls of rice? Of yeah, I yeah, no, don't think that's how it works. Uh, but that's not how it works. Good. It's, I mean, it could okay. be
1: if you use this, the food scraps to compost and fertilise a rice paddy field, which then provides sure, more rice for you. Sure.
0: But essentially, okay, so this food it then powers then the ability for them to go out and make more food.
1: Yeah, and all the water needed for the chemical process comes from the moisture separated from the food earlier. So clever, right? So clever. genius. genius. And, and then the remaining material is shipped as fertilizer to any farms that need it. It's like mm. literally free. So it's free fertilizer for the whole country. It's really great. Um, so all the water content is sent to purification uh, facilities where it will eventually be discharged into water supplies or streams. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty amazing as well. Um, There is a little bit of a downside. One of the plants was shut down uh, by locals (laughs) complaining about the unbearable smell. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently many of the plants are odorless thanks to a system of pipes built into the walls that eliminate it via a chemical reaction. There you go. How cool is that? So that's the way South Korea does it. It does cost them about $600 million annually. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> but they do have many environs. But then,
0: of, of, obviously, it makes money as well, right?
1: Exactly. And apparently, New York City is studying their model and is hoping to implement it in the coming years in their in their infrastructure.
0: Six hundred million dollars. Yeah, for a country's GDP, that's actually not that much. I don't think that's that bad. Yeah, and for a country with what sixty million people,
1: right? Yeah,
0: I, yeah. I don't. I don't think that that's. It's terrible. a drop in
1: the ocean in terms of like the country's budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, individually, I wouldn't personally foot that bill. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Even if I attended me, I couldn't work that up in a lifetime. But yeah, really cool um, uh, innovation done by South Korea.
0: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we've just been reminiscing on good, amazing, making, awesome food. Making
1: ourselves so hungry. I'm
0: so hungry. <laughs> I was just
1: telling Lawson that one of the best breakfasts I ever had was a vegan eggs benedict. Where they they literally, it like comes out on a toast and like it's the egg white and the egg yellow, but the whole thing's... Not made from animals at Eggs, all.
0: Yeah, I and I like I'm vegan, but I love holiday sauce. But I've eaten some great vegan holiday yeah, sauce, yeah, which yeah. Is awesome. We're also talking about the, just the Asian eating experience, mm, and delicious. like, oh, just just so good. Hey, you're listening to the Breakfast Show, and we are going to have our next quiz.
1: What name was given to the Jewish ruling council that plotted Jesus's death? Wow.
0: Oh, if you know the answer to this one, 0491 is the number to call a text. Again, that question was,
1: what name was given to the Jewish ruling council that plotted Jesus's death?
0: Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. These are your final opportunities to get in to win. Thirteen weeks to Jury by Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. We're gonna be doing the the roulette. We're gonna be spinning the wheel at the end of the show today, eight forty-five. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Breakfast Show this morning, and guess what? Monica, going to what okay, we're gonna talk about Malaysia. Oh,
1: yeah. Now From Mal- South Korea to Malaysia. From here South we go. Korea
0: to Malaysia. It's just lined up that way, yeah. you know. <laughs> now Quick thing to say about Malaysia, and I've probably talked about this on the show before. Malaysia is one of my favorite countries in the whole world. Kuala Lumpur, Kuala Lumpur, Kuala Lumpur as we would pronounce it for an Australian, is one of my favorite cities in the whole wide world. It is so Have awesome. Have you been? I was there for two weeks when I was, like, 17 years old. I had my 17th birthday there. Uh, Like, I didn't travel there for my 17th birthday. I was doing some other stuff. But it is just one of the most epic places. And whenever I meet Malaysians, I just go, like, I just start hyping up KL so hard. And they're (laughs) like, wow, who is this guy? Uh, But KL is just so cool because it rides the line perfectly between um, developing and developed, essentially. It's, like developed enough where it's like a clean, nice, beautiful, modern city. But in the developing sense, everything is cheap. Yeah. So it's it's everything you could want from uh-huh. a city, basically. It's just amazing. If you've been to Malaysia, hey, let us know. 0491 mm. 064 But in Malaysia, uh, there is – in terms of the country politically, it's in a, quite an interesting spot. They had a real landmark election last year and that came as a result of the president of Malaysia had been jailed. Oh, wow. So we've been talking about like Donald Trump
2: being jailed and whatnot.
0: Like this guy was the president serving Uh and, and chucked in jail, um, you know, for corruption charges and whatnot. And it was a huge election. I had a bunch of Malaysian friends here in Newcastle at the uni, um, talking about and sharing things on Instagram about how important this election is. And they're all mailing in votes because Mm -hmm. they were like, this is for the future of our country kind of thing. It was like, it was like a huge important thing, but something that doesn't get talked about much is Malaysia in regards to Christianity. And that's because there's lots of Christians in Malaysia. There's lots lots of Christians that I know from Malaysia. It's like, uh, largely, uh, Islamic country Simultaneously There's like a Buddhist influence too Malaysia is very Multicultural Mm -hmm. So you've got like Malaysians uh, Like Chinese Malaysians Malays And then like an Indian influence as well Okay yeah And so as a result The The Religion If you go to KL right So the government There at the time That I was there Was largely Islamic influenced So there was Alcohol in KL But It was like Super expensive You know To kind of Stop you from being able to drink it simultaneously. Um, they in Malaysia they have a huge because it's like a massive Chinese population, so there's lots of like Buddhism and and you know, that kind of Eastern uh, religion there too. But then Christianity is you know existing over there. I have some friends from there who are Christians. You know here in living in Australia, but were Christians over there and there's big Christian churches in Malaysia, but. Simultaneously, the government of Malaysia, and this was around the period in which the the ruler, the president of Malaysia, who was really corrupt, uh, there was some shady moves going on in relationship to churches and churches that were growing in influence, um, particularly in the area of KL, as you know that's kind of the population center and it has lots of influence. Uh, and there's one civil case that has now been started that i that i read about and i was like that is crazy so a wife of an abducted malaysian pastor has begun a civil case against the country's government and police force for his disappearance that took place six years ago so there was a pastor his name was raymond co he was taken in february 2017 so him and his wife and their family, they're doing their thing. And then 15 people in masks driving black SUVs, government-issue SUVs, drive up, take the guy, pull him into the car, and he's never been seen again.
1: Wait, when was this?
0: 2017.
1: it's been like five years. So it's That's been w- six In, in years. government-issued cars? Yeah. That's crazy. Wearing
0: masks. They rock up, they take this guy, and he has never been seen or heard from. And she's never
1: been given an explanation? Again, never. Wow.
0: Like, there's been constant, obviously, it's his wife. Like, Mm -hmm. what is going on? Where's my husband? There's no answers. No one knows where he is. Obviously, someone knows where he is, Mm -hmm. but no one will tell anyone. And so this is this is absolutely insane. Now, as a result of this, she is putting forth a civil case against the government.
1: As she should. And
0: the, I think the reason it's taken this long to be able to do that is, obviously, they, they were holding out hope that they would find him. But simultaneously, because of the change of government that's taken place, mm-hmm. it's now able to do that. You know, again, if you've got a corrupt government that's, like, abducting pastors mm-hmm. and, you know, like, if you bring a civil case against them when they... Have that kind of influence in the court there because the the system, like the the um, you know the Supreme Court and whatnot, that's supposed to regulate how rules work. That's you know different from the the government branch itself, which we have, say, in the United States. Um, yeah, that they don't really have as rigid of a system. In Malaysia, so it's like okay, this would be very much losing a w- fighting a losing battle, but yeah, it's really cool to see that despite this absolutely crazy case, there's lots of people getting on board and and helping this woman out, particularly Open Doors, uh, which is a huge you know uh, and probably one of the most one of the foremost um, organizations in the world um, regarding Christian persecution. But yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. Now this guy Raymond Coe, he was like an epic pastor. Just reading his. Um, his profile of the work he was doing particularly so he was running a church it was called hope community and he would work with a lot of homeless recovering drug addicts um, people with hiv and aids like he was really about a ministry of helping the lowest class and really getting those people back on their feet and seeing them you know come to god and, and be blessed and whatnot and so like i you know it's We're not talking about, like, he's, like, the head pastor of, like, some kind of mega church church Mm -hmm. that has, like, this huge political sway or whatever it may be. This dude was literally running a ministry helping people get off the street. Yeah, wow. And that influence challenged the government enough that they were like, oh, let's just disappear this guy
1: they clearly not as free as they think we are. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So it's, it's a really interesting story coming out of a place that you would not expect. Like, again, Malaysia, you wouldn't say, is like Australia. They do have a religiously influenced government there. But, yeah, just... Oh, man, it, it's been boggling my brain. And that's why I've wanted to talk about it all week. I've just been like, this is such an incredibly insane story. I think definitely then what this highlights to me is that then there is need for prayer in the situation. Yeah, I wonder Malaysia. if
1: the Voice of the Martyrs are onto this.
0: Pro- probably. You know, Voice of the Martyrs are <laughs> working in this area of mm. Asia as well. So I would, would probably be good to reach out to them and, and to hear from them as to, to what's going on there. But, yeah, because of this, uh, this... These kinds of situation, Malaysia has now been bumped up to 43 on the list of Open Door's f- top 50 watch list. So oh. the top 50 countries in regards yeah. to Christian persecution, because of these kinds of situations that have been popping up in the last couple of years, they've yeah bumped themselves up on the list, which is not a high score that any... Uh, not
1: a list you want to be on. That's yeah. that's
0: right. That's right. But yeah, definitely pray for the situation in Malaysia. Yeah, it's it, It's really boggling my brain again, having been there... And there's just not that vibe at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I, don't know, I'd, I, I'd never think to feel unsafe, like, say, if I was in a country like China or whatnot. But, yeah, was, this is... Yeah,
1: China to be expected, Malaysia not so much. Yeah,
0: yeah. and so it, it seems like this is the way that things are shaking out there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And it has come to our attention that we dropped out a little bit there. Thank you guys for, for texting us in and letting us know. We should be back up. We're we're looking at our all of our diagnostics, all of our screens. We're looking in the system, and we can see that you guys can probably hear us now. So I hope that that's taking place because we have an awesome interview coming up. But that will be after, Monica, you give us another quiz.
1: Yes, this is our third one. Who cleaned Jesus' feet with her hair in the book of Luke? Mm-hmm. Very famous story, very beautiful Absolutely. moving story. Who cleaned Jesus' feet with her hair in the book of Luke? 0491-064-669.
0: Well it wasn't me. <laughs> uh, so don't write my name down. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. And again that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Today we have on the phone with us none other than Mr. Brad Moody. Brad, are you there with us?
2: I oh, am. Yeah. Can you hear me?
0: Oh, I can hear you fantastically well. Now, Brad, <laughs> we are going to be talking about apologetics. And my question is, what are we apologizing for?
2: <laughs> that- Great question, Lawson. Well, uh, you may recall our last discussion, we were trying to tackle probably one of the most difficult questions uh, amongst uh, unchurched and and people Mm. that have no acquaintance with the God of the Bible. Uh, And their question is, if God is a loving God, as the Bible portrays, then why is there suffering? Why is it that we have difficulty in life? If God is so loving, why doesn't he just remove that suffering? And so that was what Mm. we were sort of a apologizing for uh, last time, (laughs) and we're planning today to just um, continue on that same uh, pathway towards answering, well, what does God do about suffering, given what we learned last time? So, what we were talking about last time Mm. was that evil did not originate with God directly but with an angel of light that became proud, you'll remember. And then that evil then entered into our world through that angel, causing Adam and Eve to fall and go against God's commands Mm. uh, and through deception. And so then from there, our world ended up in a whole, well, a whole lot of mess as we're now experiencing these 6,000 years later. Uh, so, the, the the issue that we faced last time was that God could not have destroyed evil from the outset because of his love, not that his love um, prevents him from doing anything about evil. It's just mm. that he was unable to destroy evil and remain a God of love at that point in time. Uh, and so, he had to allow the consequences of their choices. And so, that's what we learned last time. But So, this is the, the next logical uh, progression uh, oh. from that concept. We have the potential at this point in time to fall into the trap of agnosticism, which is basically Mm. just that God may exist, but if he does, he's disinterested or uninvolved. He doesn't want to uh, try and uh, take any part in what's going on in this world and our suffering. But Mm. that's not the God of the Bible. We can't Mm. fall into that trap of agnosticism. And that's what we wanted to answer today. How is it that God is involved and what is he doing in our sufferings? If so, be that he can't destroy it at least immediately. Right? So God had every right to just leave us to reap the consequences of our actions. He told Adam what was right and told Eve what was right and wrong. He could have just said, okay, look, guys, like you've, you've stuffed up, but you're just going to have to face your consequences, right? That's just the the nature of it. You reap what you sow. But mm-hmm. the Bible presents, presents a very different picture of God. And he's, this is what's really remarkable about the God of the Bible. Is he's different to all other pictures of all other gods in all other religions that, mm-hmm. that portray him as some distant or once again, that agnostic kind of perspective, or uninterested, or worse yet, an angry God that must be appeased with some kind of penance or sacrifice, right? But but the, the God of the Bible is that He is still, even in the midst of the fray, a God of love, a God that is consistently loving, even in the midst of our difficulties and our sufferings. And this is what we wanted to sort of clarify today. What is He doing? How is it that He's taking part in in, in our lives as our sufferings on? On in these thousands of years later, since the fall, right? But an important clarify before we get into that um, is that God's love is consistent with requiring consequences. See, mm-hmm. see, God has to be, God has to allow consequences to take place if He's to remain a God of love. This may sound counterintuitive at first, but for love to be consistent, it requires justice. No one likes the idea of a murderer getting away with their actions. That's inconsistent with love, right? Absolutely, so love yeah. has to be opposed to everything that is not love. And we see the results of the, the fall in the very next generation of, of, of one of Adam's sons killing his brother. This is like, this is the, the, the progression. After sin enters, it, it just goes downhill really quickly. And so it's essential then that the consequences are not entirely removed otherwise sin would then become immortalized. what do mm. I mean by that Well basically it means that sin would become an infestation that would destroy the entire piece of the universe because sin would no longer be something that, that would would be abhorrent there would be uh, there would be anarchy people would would fall into the trap of, of doing the wrong thing and thinking well it's not going to be any there's going to be any problems from this because there's no consequences so there has mm. to be some sort of consequences if sin is to remain sinful or hated or something that we don't like and to remain in line with God's principles, therefore. So, this is the problem that God faced. His hands were essentially tied, and the devil knew this. Satan knew this, and this is what he was attempting to do. He was trying to corner God, and so so that God was in a position where if He released the sinner, He would not be just and mm. therefore not loving. But if God destroyed the sinner, Where would we see the mercy and forgiveness of a loving Father, a God of love, once again? You see, Ezekiel 33 says that God doesn't desire that anyone should perish. He wants the wicked to turn away from their wickedness and find life. In other words, there's a way to live. In other words, there's a way to live that 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 lines up with his principles. And there's a way to live that doesn't. And that way, the Bible says, is a way that leads unto death right? Mm. So, the Bible records that God did something unbelievable. You see, this thing that God did left even the devil astounded. Instead of letting us to suffer the consequences of our actions, the Bible presents Jesus as the answer, Mm. not to the immediate eradication of evil, but to its permanent eradication, right? Did you catch that? It's like, it's not the immediate eradication of evil, because there has to be some sort of consequences for evil to be hated as something evil. But it's to the permanent eradication of evil, as we can read about in Nahum 1 and verse 9, where it says that there will not be a second uprising of evil in the universe once this is all done and dusted. Mm. So in Matthew, 21, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, we read the prophecy of the birth of Jesus. It says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being in interpret it is God with us, right? This is the God of the Bible, the God that is with you in the fray. Reiterated by John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says that Jesus did not merely come to represent God, as some people suggest, that he was just a reflection of God or just that he was like uh, a way to show God's character. He was all of that. But it also says that he was God himself in the human flesh, Right, so, so, so God steps into the mess, steps down into our, 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 our mess to try and fix things up. So why? What was his mission? Well, Luke 19.10 says that for the Son of Man, in other words, Jesus, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible presents a God in pursuit of the race that has chosen to rebel against him. This is just incredible. No other religion in all the world this is, has this picture of God. And this is why this is so incredible, and something that is only of divine origin. This is not something that man has conjured up, as as Peter says, we don't believe cunningly devised fables. This is something incredible. And this is what Jesus did. He lived the perfect life to give us a perfect example of how we are to live, to guide us back, to living in harmony with God's government, with harmony with his commandments. That's because Isaiah fifty nine two says that sin separates us from God, therefore preventing us from seeing how we properly ought to live. So because of sin, you can see this is like the second generation after, like I said, the the fall. You see one man killing another. That's a big step from just an indulgence of appetite where they ate a piece of fruit, right? That's a huge degradation. This is the point. Isaiah 59 says that we are separated from God so that we don't understand his principles anymore. So God in Jesus came to live that perfect life, to represent what that is all about. And in Hebrews 4.15, we read that for who we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, he understands our issues. He knows it all because it goes on to say he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He lived the perfect life. But see, that's not all. You see, if if he were just to live the righteous life and, 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 and we were then able to see how to live a righteous life, that doesn't necessarily fix all the issues of our past. It can't make up for our previous failings. See, you think about the same story once again with Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter four, one generation after we see one killing another. If so be, let's say Cain gets brought before the judgment, right? He's just killed his brother. He gets brought before the judgment. And he he says to them, um, the judge says, look, you have just killed someone. We can't let that go unnoticed and unpunished, right? The Bible even says that your, your brother's blood cries to me from mm-hmm. the ground. So therefore, justice must be served. But let's say I, Cain says, but look, I've lived a really good life, right? And this is oftentimes the argument that you'll hear from people is yeah. I'm a good person. Right, so that should offset all of my er- my my errors and issues, right? Mm. But no, 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 that's not what, that, that's not justice. Justice requires you can't go to the court and say, oh look, I've murdered somebody, but hey, look, I've been like you know um, paying money to charities since I was a kid. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I've helped a bunch of people that have starved in in other countries. You know, this kind of thing doesn't work. So 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 no judge would be satisfied with that. There must be justice served for the sake of Abel who died. Mm. So with us, right, one sin compromises the entire government of heaven, Mm -hmm. just as with one sin of envy and pride in Lucifer was the root of our entire world of suffering, Mm -hmm. which we are now continuing to endure. So Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all failed. And then in Romans 6.23, just a couple of chapters later, it says that the consequences are inevitable. The wages of sin, in other words, the thing that you earn from your sin is death right? That's mm-hmm. the consequences that God said to Adam and Eve. He says, well, if you do this thing that's against my will, you're going to die. That's the, just the inevitable consequence, right? Mm. So so the Bible presents a God that's not only in pursuit of showing his people how to live, but get this, this is what just blows your mind, mm. but he, it presents a God who is prepared to take the fall on himself. Yes. Jesus didn't come just to show us how to live. He came to actually die the death that we were supposed to die, that's a God of love. That's an attractive God, one who's not going to stop at pursuing us and getting us back into line with himself and to find peace and joy and happiness, even if it means the sacrifice of himself. He would rather die in their place but notice now this. This is another question that that's come uh, uh, into my mind, and I believe other people as well. He cannot, let, let's just say, somebody might say, well, why didn't one of the angels just die in our place? And I can guarantee you that the angels would have suggested it when when, when they presented to them the plan of salvation. The, 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 they're saying to them, okay, the, the human race has fallen into sin. Uh, we're, we're going to have to die in their place so that they don't have to die. And you can imagine one of the angels rising up and saying, no, 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 like, Jesus, like, we we love you. Don't don't you go and die. Let me go and die in their place. But you see, that doesn't work in, 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 in simple mathematics, you see, one created being cannot take the place of uh, more than one created being. That's not justice. That's an inconsistent justice. So if we have one created being, one of these angels that, that takes the fall for uh, another created being, a human that's fallen, then we're going to inevitably require eight billion angels dying for the sinners on this planet. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So then the only option is is for God to take the fall himself, because he is life itself. He has life in himself, and in him is the seed of all life. So the only one that could die, the only one that could die instead of having a multitude of dying, um, is God himself. Absolutely. So God Himself has to take the fall for His fallen creatures, and He will not stop at anything, even if it means the sacrifice of Himself. And so, so we can just maintain the consistency of a God of love throughout the Bible. He is consistent with love. He's consistent with justice and mercy, and that's the picture of of the God of the Bible that, mm. and, and 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 one that's worth serving, one that's worth striving to follow. That is that is the picture of of a good and loving Father.
0: Absolutely. Av- Absolutely. Yeah. God, as the one who outlines the boundaries and conditions of life, can be the only one who can make a, a, a sacrifice that is that is worth people who have broken those conditions. And, and that's exactly what we see out of his love. He has given his life for us. That's powerful stuff. Brad, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Just an absolute machine gun uh, of, of apolog, uh, apologetics session being able to to see god who he is and how he is a blessing to us we're going to continue with the show now
2: thanks for being a part of the faith fm family join our community on facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM